Greetings, I'm your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. Quickly, before we start, if you're new to the channel, if you're familiar with the channel, if you always watch this channel, please hit like. You find out that a lot of you guys that watch do not hit subscribe, so definitely hit subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you're alerted whenever we go live. Constantly doing shows. Too many. Hit the notification bell so you're alerted. As always, thank you to all the subscribers on YouTube and Twitch and the audio-only podcast formats you find us on. Also, of course, thank you to all the patrons. You are the collective fuel in the engine. That's a very funny word for the show today. <laughs> the non-fossil fuel in the engine. The renewable fuel in the engine that keeps the TIR machine moving along. If you're enjoying what we do here, uh, if you have the means and feel so inclined and want to support what we do here at TIR, become a patron for as little as $3 a year or $30, $30 a year or $3 a month. I'm so sorry. This is the second show that I'm doing today. I did one earlier today, so I apologize. $3 a month or $30 for the year. You can have access to champagne rooms past and present, part of the live virtual audience for Pascal Robert's Mau Mau Hour. And of course, join us for movie nights. That being said, please welcome, she is the faceless voice of reason, him too soon. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm why? nervous. I don't know why. Your clothes on? Got the jitters today. Why? Did too much caffeine? <laughs> Did you pee on a stick and you're waiting for the results? No. <laughs> this is a topic that's dear to my heart, so. Oh, you don't want me to fumble the ball? I don't want to fumble the ball. Oh, you never fumble the ball. I might. Well, thanks. Ugh. <laughs> Also, tickets are still available for the live meet and greet book launch that will be happening in the San Francisco Bay Area November 18th at 6 p.m. Wherever you are watching or listening to this show, there are links in the description to those tickets. Also, if you've purchased the book already, there's a discount code for you. And that discount code is TeenageAnarchist23. You get a discount on the tickets to the live show. And also, for patrons of TIR, there is a pretty hefty discount so definitely hit that discount code and i look forward to seeing you guys there ben burgess is going to be there um heavy metal and punk rock legends are going to be there it's going to be a great time a nice small crowd we capped the number of people that are going to be in this wonderful environment what does it say? MT self-diagnosing to add to her oppression scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't know that we all have an oppression scorecard here at TIR? Are, are you winning on yours? I think so. When you're anti-racism, anti-racism, I can't even say anti-racism. Say that five times, fast. <laughs> no. That's why Kendi got all that money, because he could say it. Just, he could just say it. Not stumble over it. Candy man. Candy. The candy man can. <laughs> you know what? No one sent that picture. Again, whoever made the candy man 
picture. I saw it once on Instagram and I didn't think to like screen capture it and share it. It should be a backdrop to the show. Definitely for the champagne room, the candy man. That's still one of the funniest things ever. But there is a conference in San Francisco right now that is very important that not a lot of people are talking about. Oftentimes when we think of climate justice, we see it as a siloed issue, only focusing on the destruction of the planet due to our reliance on fossil fuels. And we don't see the intersection of issues around the exploitation of the developing world and labor rights. Well, this week it's happening right now. As I read this, there are demonstrations going on in the city of San Francisco to protest the APAC summit. APAC is the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation. And during this summit, the 21 member countries will discuss free trade of fossil fuels throughout the region and how these pipelines will be economic boons for their countries. From a statement from the Oil and Gas Network, our collective humanity is at stake. Corporations and global leaders have been exploiting people on the planet for profit with the military as their enforcers who refuse to allow President Biden and other APAC leaders to continue business as usual in the face of record-breaking extreme weather and the existential threats to the climate crisis. They must prioritize a rapid transition away from fossil fuels and center the voices of frontline communities in building a new clean energy economy. On September seven, or in September, seventy-five thousand people marched in New York at the United Nations General Assembly, explicitly calling for an end to the fossil fuel era. The UN Secretary General has stated that fossil fuels were, quote, incompatible with human survival, and that we must leave oil, coal, and gas in the ground where they belong, echoing the consensus from the world's leading scientists. The Bay Area is taking a stand against the politicians and corporate interests who are directly responsible for the social and environmental ills plaguing our world today. Their greed and self-interest, coupled with their complete disregard for a vibrant future, is the backdrop for many overlapping injustices we're seeing today from ongoing genocide to utter environmental destruction and the persecution of the working class, said Nick Ivasco, climate organizer with No to APAC Climate Block. Over 40 climate justice organizers have come together to demand organizations. Sorry, not 40 organizers. That wouldn't be much of a protest, would it? <laughs> be like a line at a subway. Like, hey! <laughs> hey, the environment over here! Over 40 climate justice organizations have come together to demand Biden and APAC leaders take bold action to combat climate change. We need to end climate pollution, globalize climate justice, and stop trade attacks on climate action, said Will Witchlow, coordinator of Bay Climate Action. I probably butchered everyone's name. I apologize. Scott, I apologize if your comrades are going to yell at you about going on our show and be like, who's don't go on the show with the colored guy that butchers the names. <laughs> Please welcome once again, Scott Parkin. Hey. Happy. I'm sorry that I butchered everyone's name. How are you? You got Nick, you got Nick's name, right? You said it right. You but just butchered Will's name. It's okay. You know, and who cares? Who's Will? Who's Will? Will's, a, Will's a solid comrade. I'll, I'll say that. I give Will a lot of props. 
Will's gonna, made a lot of things happen in the last two months. So. I'm going to go to San Francisco and see Will's like some buff-ass dude. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> you the fella that can't say my name? <laughs> Talks to me like Bluto in the Popeye cartoon. Scott, thank you so much for agreeing to come back on. Can you tell us a bit about the intersectionality of climate justice, the exploitation of the developing world, and labor rights, which I felt was a was an interesting thing for this to be centered on because I think so many times when people think climate action, um, the conversation kind of almost to me explodes in so many different areas of just fossil fuel extraction. Mm-hmm. And even now post the Michael Moore documentary, you know, there's no real ethical way to do energy because even the ethical ways are bad. So, you guys are taking on kind of the broader issues because no one really talks about labor violations within this because a lot of these countries that are affected are extremely poor countries. We, we call them the third world. I was, I think the developing world is the political correct. Or global majority is the new politically correct term. Oh, right. damn it. See, I'm messing up. See, you're behind. You're behind. <laughs> well, can you tell us a little bit about this intersection, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, the the first thing I'll the first thing I'll say is that this is just a, another in a long line of neoliberal uh, summits, and then there's also a, a trade agreement, which is another uh, which is just another agreement to promote corporate neoliberalism. You know, that we're talking in the in the tradition of the North American Free Trade Agreement and the attempts at the free trade area of the Americas which kind of got shot down partially because we protested it pretty hardcore in 2003 in Miami. Uh, and then the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which also kind of sh- got went down in flames after at towards the end of Obama's administration. But the, the real intersection is, is this sort of, uh, is this neoliberal, you know, let's exploit as much as we can of labor and the planet, natural resources um, for, you know, the, for the ruling class. And so, um, what APEC is, which has been around since the late 80s, is where the heads of, you know, I, I think at this point it's 21, 21 nations, um, which uh, uh, are going to be meeting and basically dipping up the, the global economy. We're also seeing like over a thousand corporate CEOs and 20 to 30,000 negotiators and corporate lobbyists and everyone are all going to be sort of like meeting in the Bay Area. Uh, the the IPEF, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, which is the trade agreement that they're, be, they're negotiating, is actually being negotiated right now in a hotel in San Francisco. We actually went out and protested it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what we're trying to do is, you know, in, in 1999 at the World Trade Organization, we sent a pretty strong statement and actually put this sort of, you know, where they were trying to fast track uh, corporate neoliberalism globally, we came out in support of movements all over the world, and that's what we're doing here. Uh, the other, the other, other element here is that a lot of the member nations of APEC are run by dictators. There's terrible human rights atrocities going on in the Philippines, in Indonesia, in China, and then of course, you know, Biden and Harris are both going to be here next week for APEC, and you know, there's an incredible amount of. Uh, uh, fierce resistance going on in the streets all over the world around Biden and Harris's policies as far as like Gaza and support of the Israeli war machine go. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, a, I don't want to say a hindrance, but is a lot of that helping with what you're doing or is it kind of 
making what you're doing a little bit quieter? I, we're, you know, the Nota APEC coalition is over 140 groups, I think, at this point, which spans everything from labor to a lot of Asian diaspora groups to uh, to the Palestinian to Palestinian youth movement and groups like that, and we're all in unity. We're all in, in we're standing shoulder to shoulder, and so there's coordination going on. But uh, but and and there's some events happening that are going to overlap. But there's I, there's a pretty strong commitment where NOTA APEC, the climate block within the NOTA APEC, have been out supporting everyday actions in support of the. The people of Gaza who are getting annihilated by the Israeli war, U.S.-backed Israeli war machine, and then the, the you know pro-Palestinian movement is also going to be out supporting us in you know the APEC actions next week as well. Another thing people aren't talking about, uh, maybe in some smaller local publications, but whenever these large conferences happen, there's massive uh, encampment sweeps and San Francisco being one of the, I don't want to say epicenters, but one of the larger parts of the United States, San Francisco and LA being like one and one a kind of for the larger homeless populations, depending on your count, uh, in the nation. Uh, there's been some very large sweeps going on. Sometimes those sweeps can get somewhat violent. Um, have you seen anything? Personally. Well, one one thing I'll say is that the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, sees this as an opportunity to improve San Francisco's image, quote unquote, and it is has poured a lot of money into this and has put a lot on the line. And so we've already been seeing street sweeps of uh, of the homeless encampments down in you know throughout San Francisco. They want to clean it up for all these visiting dignitaries. Uh, and then we're also seeing you know in in some ways you know talking about neoliberalism so this is also where we're seeing like some gentrification effect which is like localized neoliberalism right and so you know that is what breed is trying to do is just make this uh make the city once again um enticing for you know big companies and wealthy people to come and spend money and get housing and and vacation or whatever here and so apec is actually an opportunity for them to do that and the the homeless the houseless populations of you know, San Francisco are definitely, you know, top, one of the top targets because that is a, is a sign, a, I guess, a sign of urban blight that, that mm -hmm. Breed and her neoliberal crony, political cronies are trying to get away from. I mean, I was in San Francisco and you live in the city, correct? I live in Berkeley now. I lived in San Francisco for 12 years, though. OK, um, but I was in the city uh, last month, early last month to you know, handle some family business. And um, I was surprised, actually, at how clean it was. I mean, it definitely had its. They've been cleaning. They're cleaning it up for APEC. Is literally, and they're running an advertising campaign for APEC too, which is called APEC is going to be epic. But they're. It's, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I've been I've been noticing that when I've gone in the city the last few times is how mm. much cleaner it is, and actually I see a lot less houseless people around the. It around it was I was shocked. Um, yeah. I also went into the uh, Westfield Mall, which you know is going over to new ownership we don't know if it's closing and that's right where apex going to be too right around there because it's going to be at moscone yeah it's going to be at moscone and moscone hmm. west uh moscone is a very large for those that don't know um george moscone the former mayor that was assassinated in san francisco it's named after him it's a very large convention center complex i would say it's multiple blocks long um i was there and uh, one of the developer conferences was going on so it definitely was getting cleaned up for that um but I didn't physically see any sweeps. 
Um, We've been see, I, I've been seeing I haven't seen any either. I have been seeing them in the news though. Are they talking about it in like stuff like the Chronicle or more the weekly papers and independent? It's, yeah, it's and and like you know indie journalists and in social media and, and things like that. Gotcha. Uh, what are some of the groups and organizations involved in this protest? Um, what is the larger No to APEC coalition? Um, the larger No to I mean the the International League of People's Struggle, which has actually been around for a long time, is actually a, a center. And I can't actually speak too much to them because I've actually just become familiar with them. But there's a lot of Asian diaspora groups um, and ILPS and a lot of a lot of actually, honestly, Filipino diaspora groups. The area has a huge Filipino diaspora, um, yeah, which have been sort of the, the, in many ways, the NOTA APEC coalition is rooted in that. And the fact that Ferdinand Marcos Jr. is actually coming to San Francisco for APEC is particularly uh, activated, activated those communities. Um, but that's a that's a big part of the leadership of the coalition, I would say. I'm part of uh, what we're calling the climate block or climate justice block, excuse me, um, which a lot of the kind of bigger green groups haven't really jumped in too much, but it's a lot of like smaller scrappy organizations like who you read oil and gas action network diablo rising tide which is a group i'm a part of um and then you know there's there's a pretty solid climate justice community here which has been you know fighting infrastructure uh we have a, a huge oil refinery in the east bay or oil refinery corridor in the east bay mm -hmm. san francisco is the second largest financial district in the country and so a lot of the companies funding pipelines and mines and things like that are also based here so we've been actually fighting around fossil fuels and climate issues for quite some time here with with what with a uh, it's a target rich environment i guess you could say um labor is actually uh very engaged here and i believe that of all the seven counties in the bay area all of those county labor councils have signed on to no to apec resolutions the oakland teachers have uaw region six and nine Region six being all the Western states, the longshore workers have signed on to no to APEC res, uh, resolution. Um, and then, you know, there's, you know, groups like that organize around um, freedom in Tibet and Hong Kong. And, and those those groups are also uh, involved because Xi Jinping, the president of China, is coming as well. Wow. It's, it's a we're in a movement of movement moments. You know, they talk a lot about that with Seattle in 1999. It was Teamsters and Turtles very similar dynamic going on here. So you are in line with the uh, labor unions. Which yeah, the labor's labor's marching with us. We're, we're very solid with labor. They're great. And are you is there still a hotel strike going on in San Francisco as well? Uh, I believe I've actually been seeing news about that. I, I can't speak to that. Gotcha. Uh, that uh, uh, expertly, I guess you could say. Gotcha. No, no, that's fair. Uh, it, Toussaint, since this is something very near and dear to her heart, she actually came up with a bevy of questions for you. Toussaint, why don't you uh, do your thing? Sure. Um, why meet at the Asia-Pacific Economic Co Corporation Summit in San Francisco? Is the idea to disrupt the conferences? Oh, we're definitely looking to have some sort of what I would call a direct intervention on uh there's a there's a they're having a ceo summit and a heads of state summit sort of simultaneously and you know you can actually look at you can go and look at apex website and see the schedule and you see where like ferdinand marcos is on a panel with the ceo of uber right oh. and I, i'm serious too that um 
the the CEO of Exxon Mobil, Darren Woods, is actually one of the keynote speakers. Uh, and so we want to, you know, we've we've designated November fifteenth uh, to be a, a shutdown the the CEO the Apex CEO Summit Day, encouraging mm-hmm. people to come out early in the morning with us, seven eight in the morning, whenever you can get up and get out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are looking to, you know, disrupt it as much as we can because. You know, this is this is basically just like a ruling class party where they're going to get to uh, celebrate themselves and divvy up the, you know, 60, you know, 60 percent of the world's population lives in the APEC countries. And so they're going to divvy up trade rules and environmental regulation and everything like that about how they could just like roll it back and do away with it, in my opinion. So we're going to we're going to give them a very hard day. And we and there are many other protests planned for the whole week. So, right, you're gonna give them a hard week. Yeah, we're gonna give them a hard week. My what main focus it? has been organizing the 15th, though. Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, what does a week of protest look like? A week is a long time. How does that yeah. work? Uh, I mean, it te- technically it kicked off yesterday, and we we. You know, a banner got hung off of the Bay Bridge, over the tunnel over the Bay Bridge, mm-hmm. uh, which w- it was a message around fossil fuels and the climate crisis. Uh, today, we had a small little demo outside of the IPEF negotiations happening at the Marriott Marquis in downtown San Francisco. On Saturday, there'll be a counter summit uh, at San Francisco State. It's sold out, I guess you could say. But mm-hmm. uh, that's where a lot of this movement of movements will be meeting and talking with each other. Uh, and then on Sunday, the 12th, we're having a, a, a pretty big family friendly uh, rally uh, meeting down around the ferry building in San Francisco and, and marching up Market Street up to Moscone, where the where the where the summit will be happening. And then lots of smaller things like there's a lot of like I, I would say there's a lot of demos being planned around places where we think Biden or Marcos or Xi Jinping will be. Uh, having meetings or dining or whatever, uh, things like that. Just go to Daily City if you want to find Marcos. Yeah. <laughs> Only real Bay Area people know that. Uh, and then, and then the, and then the fifteenth will be a, a big, uh, will be a, a big to do. Nice. The morning of the fifteenth at Moscone. Okay. How does a person like you get ready for a week of protests like this? <laughs> and are you expecting a large number of protesters to be there the whole week? Uh, we are we are expecting uh, a, a robust turnout, to say the least. I, I mean, yeah. like like I was saying before, is that, you know, we're we're in solidarity with people who are, are doing action on Gaza. And 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 so, you know, there's, you know, 50,000 people marched in San Francisco last Saturday around in, in support of Palestinians and, and with the people of Gaza. And so, um, and so we're, uh, um, definitely, we're definitely in, in solidarity with them and, and they, we've, we understand them to be in solidarity with us too. We have a super chat on the screen, uh, from JB. Thank you so much, JB. Uh, what's APEC relationship to the Atlantic council? Has APEC been affected by the shifting global relations as global South begins to align with China, Russia due to Ukraine and now Israel? Conflict? You know, I'm less familiar with the, what the Atlantic council is, but my, 
layperson's analysis is that APEC is definitely something designed by the U.S. to contain China. You know, we have the Belt and we have the Belt and Road Initiative. We have China, where it's you know it's investing and involved in economies throughout the global South. And I think the U.S. is uh, they tried this with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which kind of went down in flames, and then uh, and then now they're trying to bring it back with APEC and or excuse me with IPEF initiated by APEC um, uh, to partially to contain China's uh, economic, rapid economic growth. But Xi Jinping is going to be here. He is going to be here. That, that's been one of the big news stories is about how he's going to have side meetings with Biden to ease, to, to stabilize relations. I believe it's the first time he's been into the U.S. in six years. That's going to be nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 this is a huge thing. It's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. I, and it's amazing they decide to come to San Francisco with all of these controversial figures, right? Like it's, we're like, you know, I we're mean, a, you know, uh, we have a long is, history of resistance. Yeah, too. But we also have the biggest Chinatown in North America. So of course, yeah. I'm not shocked that shocked that she's going to show up. We also have a massive uh, Filipino diaspora, like you said. Yeah. So I'm not surprised at all that um, you're going to see, uh, is it Bong Bong Marco showing up? Yep. Yeah. So that, that doesn't surprise me like one bit um, that they would want to come to this, uh, make the city look pretty. It is still a beautiful city. And this is a kind of a cool time of year to be in San Francisco. It's not that cold. No. Um, so I, I get it. I definitely get it. Um what do you say to the idea that protests outside these important conferences don't matter because the decisions inside the conferences have already been made? Mm, yeah, I hear that a lot. And what I, I think, I mean, I think, I think we actually maybe talked about this last time I was on. I, I, I think, I think protest serves many, it, 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 it has, has different things that it can do. It serves, many, many, uh, it serves many goals, I guess you could say, is that, you know, we are, you know, courageous people are throwing down all over the world right now. Uh, and as we see this sort of real blatant uh, just gathering of the the rulers of the, the rulers of the world in many ways, uh, I think what protests will do is we're going to shine a light on that. I think we're going to shift paradigms as far as as far as people's perception of what is going on in the world and how it's working. Uh, I, I definitely think that there's going to be a, a lot of uh, action targeting Biden and Harris around Israel and Palestine. You know, the, the more like I saw where people actually uh, disrupted a talk by Harris in Boston tonight. I saw where thousands of people were on the street at a fundraiser in Chicago today against Biden. And it's just like evidence that, you know, one, we're not going to take it, and two, I mean, it, to me, in many ways, we're 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 closing in on like a, a sort of like 2020 uprising sort of, um, uh, uh, sort of like scenario, and I and I think that shit, I think that shifts people's minds. I mean, I I don't actually think that uh, protest is going to you know stop the IPEF or it's going to like you know break the ruling class, but I do think it's going to like have a, a a sort of like uh, consciousness shifting sort of effect on a lot of people around around the world 
And I think us doing that this here, where everyone else is doing it around the world at this moment, is is going to be really important. Interesting. It was a little rambly. I'm sorry, but no, I, I kinda, no, 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 no. I mean, that that's look, you you weren't prepared to take that question. It's not like <laughs> we sent these to you a week in advance. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to have an honest conversation here. Um, I, uh, this, so this question is from Tucson. She's having some issues with noise in her place right now. So I'm going to ask this on her behalf. Cool. Um, I think being surveilled is a major fear of a lot of would-be protesters. How do you feel about potentially having some kind of, excuse me, uh, some kind of the uh, file somewhere on you and your activities? Is that something that uh, I get into this conversation with a friend of mine, Doug Lane, all the time where he loves it to, to kind of, uh, this is going to sound bad, whine about state surveillance and uh, what I've learned from my criminal friends is that, you know, when you're doing something that the state doesn't like, Mm -hmm. you're the enemy. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing it to the level where you can influence people, you're going to get shut down. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people write books that people think are so like, Oh, that's a, the state is scared of them. It's like, but they get tenure, you know, only a handful of people I know actually got quote unquote canceled or get denied. Know, tenure mm-hmm. from the things mm-hmm. when you decide to protest the state and really speak out against these injustices and if you're doing it in, in a manner where more people are listening to you and you have influence you're probably going to get a file you're probably going to get harassed is this a concern or do you walk into the situation just knowing what it is I mean, I've I've been doing this work for over 20 years and I've seen my file and they definitely have a file on me, what I've been able to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I've been, I've been deported from a country. I've, uh, I've, you know, definitely been harassed by the police and the feds. And so I really have little expectation of something like that not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'll say that there's a lot of people out there and, and this kind of work is new to them or get involved, even going to a protest is new to them. And, you know, with the with the with the uh, increase in technology that makes surveillance so much easier for them. And the fact that we carry around these little mini computers in our pockets that they can trace us wherever we go and listen to what we say. I think that is I think there's a, a lot of fear in that. I also would tell people that, um, you know, if if we're not out doing stuff, then you know, then they win. And so we need to do everything we can to prevent them from getting away with all everything they do. And, you know, there's there's people in parts of the world who live under much harsher surveillance and police state than we do, and they're still going out and doing it every day. And so in the very least, we need to honor them. Um, and these are all questions from Toussaint, who, like I said, is having some noise issues. Let's see if she's fixed her problem. Oh, no. Sounds like she's in a, a wind tunnel. Uh, do you think combining socialism, leftism with environmentalism is gaining popularity? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, and and I'll, I'll also just throw it out there. I, I probably identify more as an anarchist than anything. Um, but uh, I I think that it, it also DSA is actually, a, you know, going to be turning out people with us. The, the Bay Area chapters are going to be turning out people with us, it seems like. And so I, I think the climate crisis is actually a pretty big motivator for a lot of people who identify as left and socialist. It's definitely a, a big motivator for people who are under 30 and under 25. And, and you know, uh, it's it, 
there's multiple crises going on in the world and some are around economics and some are around pandemics and then some are around the climate crisis. And I think the more you adapt a, a leftist political analysis, whether it's socialist or anarchist or the anarcho-socialism, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think that the, what we're trying to do right now is fight for the world, just not, you know, being becoming uninhabitable for us. Let's see if we can bring. I know she has so much she wants to add. Toussaint, can you hear me? Yes. You want to add anything? Let's see, no, that was awesome. That, you're a real, you're a real ninja, real badass, Scott. <laughs> I don't know about that. I just, I just kind of make do. <laughs> you're dressed for it. Yeah, I did wear my black hoodie in in solidarity. Did you? Did you? I'm wearing black, and Tucson is black. Uh, <laughs> Do you do the thing when you go to protest? Do you wear a mask over your face too? I do, but not for the. I I wear that more around uh, for COVID reasons. Um, oh, okay. So it's not like. I, so you have a COVID mask, not a look cool mask. No, I have a look cool mask too. I have like actually multiple look cool masks and look cool hats. <laughs> but. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty out there. And like I said, I have an FBI file that I've seen that goes back at least 20 years. So they know who I am. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I think in some ways it's better to come on podcasts and host a podcast and, uh, and, and talk about this stuff. And so I'm, I am, have a, I guess I have a public face. And so I'm, you know, they take my picture of protests, I'm sure. So, okay. So, Although I also don't think their surveillance is as good as everybody thinks it is either, but that's a whole other discussion. So you don't think that the moment that you step in off the BART train into downtown San Francisco, off the Montgomery Street station, that there's an FBI agent who's like, parking has, has left the station? <laughs> no. No. I, I, well, you never, you never know. When, when I was lived in Houston, Texas, I, I used to think that. I don't think that as much now. I, I, uh, I, I think they're well. One, I think there's just too much for information for them to disseminate. But uh, I also just, uh, I don't know. I am. I'm probably just being naive. But whatever. Yeah, maybe they do. Or they do follow I'm, me around. Doing what? Like, <laughs> he, once again, he's in a Sprouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just went to Pete's Coffee. He's a hypocrite. <laughs> we got him. We got him. No, no. That's not ethically traded. <laughs> Put it on the net. He's, he's not drinking independently fair trade coffee from, you know, a co-op in Guatemala. He's he's married to another white woman. It's just, this is <laughs> yeah, right. What, what kind of activist is he really? <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan, I was on Ben Burgess's show and they played some Jordan Peterson video. He has a music video. Uh, wow. Yeah. And the music video ends with him becoming an Antifa soldier. <laughs> and he puts on a mask and goes out to a protest to protest. How do you fight that criticism of of this movement? 
because we're all watching this coming from a left space and we kind of understand the importance of of protest, but Mm -hmm. common folk don't, you're only going to understand what the media tells you to understand. And that's kind of a a sadly important component to what goes on with protest and Mm -hmm. the media's coverage influences kind of the mainstream, I don't want to say talking points, but feelings about protests. I mean, you talked about 2020 being this kind of shift in the way we talk about police violence, kind of, because now, and I was in the Bay not too long ago and I still follow news there, there is a shift to talk no more about police brutality and more about property crime and uh and occasional assaults right um so how do you try to combat those negative talking points about what you do i mean i i think there's a i think there's a a couple there's a a couple things spring to mind one is something i already touched on before which is like we're in this this period of like you know crises like the Mm -hmm. you know the 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 ice shelves are collapsing and the there's wildfires and there's superstorms and and there's you know the economic gap gets wider and there's you know lack of support for people even though we still have a pandemic raging in in many ways or um you know people are being strangled by healthcare debt or student debt or whatever and so we have these multiple crises and so there's where you can sit at home and, you know, watch the internet and watch YouTube or watch TV, depending on what generation you're in, or you can go out and do something and take a little bit more agency. And I, and I think that the agency piece is like a big part of it for me about why we protest is like, it's, there's a lot of, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in participatory democracy. I don't, I'm not a big believer in electing somebody from, you know, bad party one or worst part, worst crazy party and, and given them my power. And so when you're engaged in protest, when you're engaged in direct action and when you're engaged in organizing, uh, you know, you are, you're taking some agency, you're participating in politics, you know, how, wherever it is, whether it's building a community garden in your neighborhood or whether it's knocking on doors for some, you know, socialist candidate or whether it's engaged in direct action at a, a corporate summit. And so I, I, those two things is one, the world is so bad, we need to be doing this. And then two, you know, this is how we, you know, are, are going to, this, this participatory democracy piece is actually really, really vital to us having a society that still matters and not just being some sort of, we're either living in an authoritarian regime or we're just like consumers who are a barcode for rich people to get richer. What do you think about the fact that for most people, most voting people, um, politics is kind of about consumer choice? I mean, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I vote, but I also am like engaged. Even when I had a job that was not being an organizer, I was still engaged in organizing in my all of my spare time. You also have had an FBI file for twenty years, so you yeah, know, I had just yeah, that's true. That statement. Yeah, because I was, you know, I may have, I may have visited the homes of corporate CEOs at a protest at some point in the past, um, in Houston, Texas, which is not the, you know, not the friendliest place to do that, or back then anyway. It's much better now, but I, I, I do think that, um, to your question is, 
you know, I, I do think voting is, is a bit of a, of a consumer choice. I, I do feel like sometimes it's, it's in many ways, it's harm reduction, although with currently what Biden's up to, it's hard for me to make that call right now. Yeah. But I, but I, but I, I, I do think that there's like a, a level of power that can still come with that. I just, I just also think we need to be doing everything else. I think this is a holistic effort. And so you need to be out marching or you need to be doing a sit-in or you need to be voting or you need to be, you know, helping the community find an incinerator in their neighborhood or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, how involved are you guys with the goings on in a place like Richmond, California, which is not far from you in Berkeley at all as far as the road? Yeah, it's like 15 minutes up the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we've been organizing in, in, I've been organizing in Richmond since I moved to the Bay Area in 2000 and in 2006, uh, partially because the Chevron refinery is there and I've, I've done a lot of climate organizing and anti-oil company organizing and um, work a lot with the uh, the community groups and activists up there. Some of our, our best allies are, are people who live in Richmond and organize, you know, to dedicate their lives to fighting Chevron. Um, it's, it's kind of a fascinating case. I'm from Richmond, California. And oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Uh, every woman in my life has died of cancer. Right. Um, my mom has just been diagnosed with mm. cancer. It's, it's, you feel it when you're there. Right. Um, why are people so quiet about Richmond, California? I don't really see the national news. Is is it just Chevron? Because Chevron's powerful in Richmond. They employ a lot of people. They fix up the schools. They do the whole thing that you see in the movies. Yeah, and they. I mean, we. You know, we we've seen their power to be able to destroy people who have been successful in fighting them, right? With Stephen Donziger, and and with what they did in Ecuador. Um, I'm. You know, in many ways, Chevron owns that town, but, you know, they also elect a city council and mayors, which are, you know, in defiance of Chevron. And the the people there are, you know, the community, the community organizing there is, is strong. I feel like it's a strong organizing game going on up there. And I think I, I just think it is a, you know, there's a lot of money involved and, you know, oil companies, which I feel like should be, you know, toxified they should have no political or social capital in the world still do i mean the for apec for example exxon and chevron are both the two of the platinum sponsors of the of the apec conference and it just this just is totally unbelievable to me and and the ceo of exxon is a is a keynote speaker at it and so and so i mean it, it's like there's probably some of the richest people in the history of the world at this point and they're able to still get away with these things um but i i i actually there's a there's a lot of environmental justice struggles that go on around just the country let alone the world richmond is one of them whereas like how is this not more stamped on people's consciousness i mean every time the fire the refinery gets a fire apparently that retardant that gets sprayed in the air is is deadly and and again i'm not an outlier of a no. person that grew up in that city who's had, you know, people affected by, by cancer. I, there's, I mean, I would say people all over the Bay, I mean, the Bay area, people, people all over the Bay area are very aware of it. I mean, uh, it's, we've had mass marches of thousands of people go, you know, rattle the gates of Chevron at, uh, at the refinery and at their headquarters in San Ramon. 
it's it is it is pretty unbelievable that they get away with that level I, level of murder. I think there's a I think there's a racism element. I think there's a I think there's a, a poverty element, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 then there's just like the super wealthy oil company which hires really expensive lawyers and hires really expensive PR firms and really expensive and they, lo- lobbyists. And then they do stuff, right? Then they go, oh, well, let's just yeah. let's redo the you know playground at Perry's Elementary. This- one of my one of my comrades doing actually Nick Avasco, uh, one of my comrades who's doing who's working in the climate block with me calls it solid solidarity washing, mm-hmm. um, and and it's 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 really true. It's it's the, you know these companies, particularly I think since 2020, but Chevron's been doing it for a lot longer, where they're just you know they're they're doing their corporate purpose and it makes them look like they're woke and socially conscious or whatever. Oh yeah, you know we got some colored people and oh a colored woman. The C-suite position. Look at that. Um, I mean, I wrote about that in my recent article for Damage Magazine, you know, talking about kind of the follies of anti-racism, which I think is still used to to decap the left, where you have a city like Richmond that's very, very poor. Um, It's definitely below, I think it's like 10% below the state poverty line and, uh, and also the national poverty line. It's one of the poorest cities in the country, but it's also one of the most diverse cities in America. You know, as someone's reminding us in the chat, Richmond was the first city council to support Palestine too. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I actually feel like the people who actually live in Richmond are actually pretty progressive. I think a lot of people who work in the refinery don't live there. Is, I don't know. I'm like they, I said. I'm thinking, from that. I'd, I'd push back against that. Okay, you would. Maybe you know better. You, you probably know better than me. Depends on what part. You know, they live close <laughs> to El Cerrito. They're a little more progressive. Yeah. But no, I mean Richmond's too much home. Berkeley. Too much Berkeley in my mind. Sorry. You're you're thinking about the annex. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. About Carlson back home. Um, there's something to be said about living in, in a city that's filled with people from like war-torn countries and really yeah. understanding uh, global strife. You know, you may think you have it bad, but then when you start to have friends from Laos and Cambodia and you hear about how they came to the States, you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe the inner city is bad as I thought. Tucson, I know you want to add something to this. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Hi. I'm enjoying the conversation. The Bay Talk? Yeah, this is the most um, exciting Bay Talk you've had in a while. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I tune out, honestly. I'm a New Yorker. I know. The the hate is real. Just, I just want people it to is. Know. The East Coast, West Coast hate <laughs> is real. Um, do you think Scott Parkin can dance? Because he's been living in the Bay for so long. He's dressed for it. ready to get down (laughs) i was a lot lot more of a dancer when i lived in houston texas to be honest a lot more happening there for the dancing for me okay well i don't know what part of berkeley i mean like the bay is not the same bay i grew up in many moons ago Yeah. yeah <laughs> Sproul Plaza is not the Sproul Plaza that it was in the nineties when I was coming up as a young person. Um Tucson, I know you have some more questions you want to ask. Um, yeah, let me ask you. I think that organizing is kind of having a moment right now. Mm-hmm. You see it on these podcasts where it's like people want to know more about organizing. What can you tell us about being an organizer? 
do you think that that should be a goal for most people? Somebody's got to follow, right? We can't all be organizers. I mean, that's the that's the job of an organizer is to put themselves out of a job by making everyone else organizers. Mm, um, I've never heard that. Yeah, that's a that's a thing we all say in the in the organizing world. We need to organize ourselves out of a job. Um, I mean, I I I I think, yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of people out there, and I think I think it's a very honorable uh, uh, trade, and so I think more people should be doing it. Uh, it's definitely getting a, it, organizing is definitely uh, having a, a little bit of a moment right now with a lot of things that are going on in, in the country and the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I, I also still don't think it's enough. We still need more. We still, I mean, uh, on our podcast, we actually talk a lot about how all this money that goes into electoral campaigns would be better served going into like an organizing project in, in Richmond, California, or in the east side of Houston or or anything Louisiana like that like, the factories yeah yeah louisiana the you know there's there's a whole bunch of like liquefied natural gas export happening all over texas and louisiana and and uh and uh you know we need more organizers and we and we need more people taking action too but like definitely more organizers who can like make move some of this and challenge power and fight back and all that kind of stuff um speaking of uh you know pollution and how it affects poor communities. Earlier today, I interviewed um, Greg Pallast. Mm-hmm. He's doing a documentary about the Osage Indians. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they, for those that don't know the spell, try to be as brief as possible. The episode airs in a few weeks. But, um, you know, they found oil on some land. They were moved to, uh, state took it over, killed a bunch of people. The Koch brothers ended up taking over what was left and extracting it. And while they were extracting the little bit that was there, they were just letting all kinds of sludge just spill off into the drinking water, kind of destroying already horrible land as it is. Um, Native reservations definitely got it with fracking uh, in the Dakotas. Uranium and uranium mining in the like in the four corners. Um, we don't hear too much about that. You kind of sort of will hear about refineries because you can visually see a refinery in an urban area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that even that conversation for a lot of people, not people like yourself that have been in the know for so long, for a lot of us more lay people is like a new conversation of, oh, I, I didn't really put two and two together that these bad neighborhoods are all next to these massive refineries. Uh, for those that don't know, Richmond, California uh, has an alarm for when toxic, the air is too toxic to breathe and you can't leave your house. When I was a child, before that alarm was installed, people died. I think, I forget how many, I think 12 died um, because it wasn't Chevron. It was another refinery. I can't remember which one. Or maybe it was Chevron. I think it was Chevron. It was in 2012, right? No, I'm talking in the 80s. Oh, uh, there was one in 2012 where I think people died too. Yeah, the, the, the alarm went off, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. alarm went off. Um, so think about that for a second. There's an alarm in a city to let you know not to go outside because you may die because yeah. you live that close to a refinery. Yeah. Um, I still see a lack of conversations around this or even, you know, kind of trying to alert people to these dangers. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
I think that's the the role of organizing too is that we organize a community to like rise up and say you know i don't want this in my community mm. and you know i've i've been working for uh, 17 years you know working on just environmental issues mostly around fossil fuel extraction some combustion some infrastructure like pipeline fights mm. and and i i think I think that there is this, the places where this stuff happens is so poverty stricken and there, the, a common, a common term for it in organizing circles or in like, you know, environmental and, and climate organizing circles is sacrifice zone. And part of what we do of sacrifice zones, whether it's Richmond or I did a lot of this work in central Appalachia around coal mining or, or, you know, on, on native reservations is that like, those are, those are places where we're willing to sacrifice so that we can have electricity yeah. or we can have uh, you know, car to go drive to the movies and see killers of the flower moon about the Osage, about how they were so screwed, you know, right. Fuck the people um, in Pine Ridge, right? Yeah, no, I get yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, and, 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 you know, there's, there's a lot of great organizing that's happened in those communities and in those sacrifice zones and, and still, you know, wall street, big media, big oil, uh, coal's coming on its way out, but, but like, you know, they, they still control everything. They control, they control the political apparatus. They control, you know, uh, the, the regulatory apparatus. And, and it's, it's really troubling that, that I am, I am. It lifts my spirits, though, to see like so many people taking action on so many of these issues for the last like ten or fifteen years. Though I think it's, I I I, I don't know what the shift's going to be, but I do feel like there's been a shift. And the, uh, you know, the uh, this, there's a stat that something like half of people under thirty identify as socialists right now, which I think terrifies the ruling class. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are those? Really, that's an interesting stat. Is it half of the white people? <laughs> well, it, you know the the ones who all went to fancy schools, right? Okay, I was gonna say because it's like half of white people that went to a liberal arts college. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah. But if you told me half of the people are like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I do talk to regular ass regular people when I walk around Bay Area. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it could be half of maybe it's half of Berkeley. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Like they got they got vegan McDonald's next to McDonald's. Yeah, well, they definitely have vegan Burger King. I don't know if they have vegan McDonald's. You you have the been? Impossible Whopper. The Impossible you, Whopper. No, 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 Scott. Scott, I, Parker, I, if I find out, can you do me one favor? Uh, and it's it's a small favor, and I know uh, you're going to be near this area. The McDonald's on Sutter, which is like the only one downtown right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, across the street, directly across the street from it, is a place uh-huh. called Mr. Charlie's, uh-huh. and it is a vegan version of McDonald's. Ah. Directly across the street, same colors, you cannot miss it. Across Market Street. Across Sutter. Oh, across Sutter. Okay. So if you, it's financial district. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's where I, that's where my, our office is, where I work. So. Exactly. You're right there. You know the McDonald's I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That McDonald's directly across the street is the vegan. It's uh, they have these called frowny meals, uh-huh. and it's like Happy Meals. <laughs> and you get you get either a vegan 
cheeseburger, a vegan burger, uh-huh. fries, and vegan nuggets. I f I'm not messing with you. I'm being totally serious. I need to get a picture of you at oh. Mr. Charlie's. I, I might I might come to your teenage anarchist uh, oh. launch party if I can get away, and I might maybe I'll maybe I'll bring you some Mr. Charlie's for the. It's, it's kid the, friendly. Just a hey, it's kid friendly too. So if you have to arrange that, it's okay to bring the kid. Susan, do you have any any closing words? Closing words. Well, we can close on this. I do have a, a question for you. We recently had uh, Charles Derber on the show. And in his latest book, he wrote, unless you act, you are in denial. Does that match your definition of climate denial? Unless you act, you're in denial. Yeah, I guess that would fit. I, I, uh, it, I, I actually will be honest that I don't actually really take the climate denials as much into consideration as I much as I used to. Mm-hmm. I, I way more worry about the climate neoliberals, the people who just want to like make money with off of false solutions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those people definitely act because they're trying to basically turn the climate crisis into a, a capitalist enterprise. Mm. Right. Um, but but the climate deniers are definitely people who don't want to act. I mean, I'm I'm from Texas. I've I, uh, I've been around a lot of those regular folks who would just be happy to stay at home and watch Fox News and you know watch the Astros or the Rangers were in the World Series or whatever. But um, I it is interesting. I I do at least in, within some of my circles, they've either gone crazy right wing and everything is. They deny everything, mm-hmm. or uh, or they are have many have come around. I was actually surprised how many of them actually voted for Biden in 2020. Just as my for my for my I'm from Garland, Texas, which is the suburbs oh. of Dallas. So I call it my Garland, Texas test. And so I, I'll look at I'll look at the people I went to high school with on Facebook and see you know if they're like frothing at the mouth you know, Trumpers, or if they have like kind of come around on some of these issues. And it's, it's an amazing little split. It's a lot more than you'd think. I try to tell that to people all the time that want to assume that all Republicans are Trump fans. And I, I, while I am not from Garland, Texas, the town that was based off of King of the Hill, Arlington, based off Garland. um, I did live with a white family that uh, are Republicans and they did not like Donald Trump. Yep. Donald Trump is bad for business for the GOP. I don't care what people say. He's yeah, great yeah. for anti-authority business, right? Because there's people that just hate authority. But yeah, he uh, he's he's uh, definitely. Uh, I feel like he was actually really good for the protest business in his when he was president. Ooh, yeah. And I would say we got uh, we. Uh, we built up a whole lot of he people kicks it off. Involved. So there's a I, I used to call him I used to say this about George W. Bush too, is like they're the greatest organizers in the world because I mean, they turn out so many people. The women's march. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is a direct response to grab him by the you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. The day before on inauguration day, like we organized like huge blockades at the uh at the inauguration and we had i was part of the climate justice block there too 
we had 500 people blocking the entrance to the, to the that that, that mm. gate and and no one was going anywhere people love being mad at that guy so. yeah yeah um I, I wish they were that pissed at biden to be honest right now so i mean mm. i think many are but mm. there you go again it's the way it's presented to us right if he is all powerful evil the only thing that can defeat all powerful evil is all powerful good so even though joe biden has kind of only stood for the worst that was the democratic party again bronco martitich writes a book that is like hey the sun is finally setting on the atari democrats mm-hmm. <laughs> you know agent, i guess they're agent out aren't they <laughs> you would think yeah you would yeah. think yeah but uh, thank you so much, Scott, for hanging with us. I really hope to see you in real life uh, November 18th. Yeah, I'm hoping to make it up there. Um, and do you have anything to say before we go? No, this is awesome. Oh, can, we, uh, can I just say uh, Sparky? Yeah, Sparky. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Forgot. Love that. that. You lo- you love my email handle. It's awesome. <laughs> and my Twitter it's my Twitter handle too. Sparky's nineteen sixty nine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanna send a huge shout out to my mother who turns sixty six today. Ooh, so shout out to my mom and we'll see you guys in the champagne room. If you want to continue this conversation, let's talk about it. If not, MT has some videos she'd like you to see. (laughs) And on that note, we are out. Thanks, y'all.